are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. We're here weekdays on CBS Sports Radio. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever slack up, punk, you better back up. Try and play the role and you're the whole coalesce. Tap that Armchair Quarterback app, take us anywhere you go. It's morning. Yes, and what a lovely morning. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning good morning it's time to wake up y'all you're listening to the armchair quarterback show we're here weekdays 8 a.m eastern 7 central to 10 a.m eastern 9 central available on google android apple iphone facebook live and periscope twitter tap that armchair quarterbacks app take us anywhere you go the armchair quarterback show your first choice for southern sports talk good morning mr justin waller good morning i don't know much but i know one thing Antonio Brown really opened up that Tampa Bay offense. Good job, guys. Good job. Hi, I'm Mac McGee, and I don't know much, but I know one thing. Two American companies say that their vaccine is over 90% effective. There's a good chance it will hit the market by the end of this month. Looks like Operation Warp Speed worked after all. Of course, I don't think, uh, as they call him, the orange man will get the credit that he deserves. Well, we're listening to the armchair quarterbacks. McLovin? McLovin? What kind of a stupid name is that, Fogel? What, are you trying to be an Irish R&B singer? Oh, they let you pick any name you want when you get down there. And you landed on McLovin? Yeah, I was between that and Muhammad. Why would it be between that and Muhammad? Why don't you just pick a common name like a normal person? Muhammad is the most commonly used name on earth. Read a book for once. Fogel, have you ever actually met anyone named Muhammad? Have you actually ever met anyone named McLovin? No, that's why you picked a dumb name. Give me that. All right. You look like a future pedophile in this picture, number one. Number two, it doesn't even have a first name. It just says McLovin. What? What name? What name? Who are you, Seal? I am McLovin. Armchair. Community Access Channel. He's the armchair quarterback. He's full of beer and he's full of snacks. He's the All-American man. Hey, howdy, hi. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Armchair Quarterback Radio Show. Me and Justin Waller riding shotgun with you this morning. J- Justin, how the hell are you, sir? Hey, y'all get y'all's Christmas shopping done. I'm getting tired of getting my brains beat in. <laughs> Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> anyway, back to sports, man. What a great weekend we had, dude. Uh, college, Sunday, uh, and we're going into Masters week. Uh, it, it's a really weird feeling because normally that master's week gives me that i'm already in spring fever and it's full blown like man i'm ready to get out of the house we'll be in the backyard grilling and now i'm like well, this year i'm cold i'm kind <laughs> i'm kind of digging it though i'm kind of looking forward to this week give us something to look forward to it's cool because normally the masters is taking place the opening week of baseball so I'm so sidetracked trying to watch both, you know, because the newness, right? It's not. It's different when the U.S. Open shows up in June. Baseball's already at full bore, right? And you're you don't mind missing a game here and there at the very beginning of baseball season. I I can't get enough. So this is kind of neat that on Thursday and Friday we've got nothing competing with it essentially, and then uh, Saturday obviously college football and Sunday NFL, which will be be interesting to see how that plays out. 
on the national stage. I haven't looked to see who, who, who the four o'clock game that'll go up against, you know, the last rounds of the Masters. But it'll be interesting to see at the, you know, this time next week, what, you know, what the ratings end up being for that. But uh, yeah, uh, let's go ahead and uh, dive into the first part of our batting practice. Is man, <laughs> Buccaneers fans are talking a lot of smack on Twitter the last several weeks. I remember. One I specifically had with the fan, and I, I just let him say what he wanted to say, and I, I didn't argue with him because you know I I pull for Tampa, but when I when I brought up, uh, I don't remember it, I don't remember what game that the Bucks had just won, but he was saying that they look like the best team in the NFC, and I said, well, just remember that they got to figure out a way to beat the Saints when they finally get their rematch, and I did you know stress the fact that. It was important to note that the first game was Tom Brady's first game in New Orleans and da-da-da-da-da. In his exact words, this is the guy that runs a Buccaneers podcast, said, we're going to murder them. I'm not even worried about it. Well, last night I had to chime in on it, and I said, this is right around halftime, I said, you got to be at least a little worried. <laughs> and he, yeah, said, uh, he, said, he said some explosives my way. <laughs> I can imagine. It's not very often in the NFL you get to count your money line dollars at uh, halftime, but uh, I knew I had that one in the bank. Uh, I rolled everything from yesterday into the Saints plus 165, and uh, that that worked out pretty good last night. Yeah, it did. Um, well, here's a Is thing. it just too many mouths to feed? I mean, is that where it breaks down? Is, or are you just shipping the ball around too much? Nobody can get in the groove? Oh, I just think that the Saints kicked their ass. I really do. I just I just think from top to bottom, they can try to come up with whatever excuse they want. I'm not saying they can't turn around and re- return the favor come uh, you know January, but last night they kicked the crap out of them. They and the three interceptions don't didn't help. Well, the interceptions, but all of that was uh, because of one thing and one thing only, and that was what? The offensive line was getting absolutely torched. And so they never got a running game going. Uh, the defense didn't play good either. Let's, 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 not, let's not forget about the fact that the first touchdown of the game, Troy Con Smith was basically calling for a fair catch in the end zone back there. That, I mean, that was absurd. In a National Football League defense, you never see a guy that wide open on a short field in the end zone like that. That play was just absolutely astounding how how open he was and just all in all i just think i think it was it's the old adage that mike tyson of course everyone gives everyone gives mike tyson the credit they forget that it was joe frazier that actually came up with the line but the the essential line is everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth frazier famously said that after he uh kicked ali's ass in the in the first fight and that's what it was. They got punched in the mouth, and they had no def- – they're like, whoa, wait, 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 wait what, what, what? Uh, for the first time all year, Gronk looked old to me. And um, I'm not worried about the, the Bucks making the playoffs. I think they're going to do it. But it's going to be interesting to see how they play down the stretch because they need that home field advantage. So, look, they're only a half – what are they, like a half game out? behind uh, the Saints at this point. But then when you take in the tiebreaker, they're, they're, they're essentially, because they haven't played as many games, they're they're behind them at two in the loss column is essentially what it is. Um, the Bucks need to play really well down the stretch because I don't think that they will fare well in New Orleans. They have to have that game 
in Tampa. They didn't farewell the game in Tampa last night, but I just think that by the time news of the vaccine, can you imagine that Saints crowd rocking in late January, Justin? I mean, it, it, it's going to be game over. Of course, I agree. Of course, every time I mean, we, every time we shovel dirt on Tom Brady, he goes, "Is that right? And I, am I done? Done? Is it over? Over?" And he'll go to his tenth Super Bowl and win his seventh. Uh, championship and their rule set going. I haven't even looked at the matchup, but I've got him in for five touchdowns this coming Sunday. So you know, you got <laughs> they, that going. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they play the Panthers. Uh, I have to double check that. That by the what way. What about man, the side girl, baby? I'll uh, tell you what. Panthers, man. I hate they didn't get the W, but uh, they look. Yeah, good. there's no doubt. C Mac is pretty dang good, and uh, man, the uh, Chiefs are not uh, immortal like we thought. No, not at all, and. Uh, well, I, I've been saying all along that I, I don't think the, the, the Chiefs are as invincible as everyone has them. I think they're probably still the the biggest pain in the butt in the NFC, so to speak, because the simple fact of the matter is I don't... When you get into a playoff game against the Chiefs, they, they present so many problems trying to defend them that you essentially... There's, it's almost impossible to shut them down, and that defense is pretty good. It's not elite, but there aren't that many elite defenses in the NFL anyway, so all you got to do is be pretty good when you got Pat Mahomes. Um, it was good to see CMC back to his old ways. Uh, you, you, know, you always wonder when a guy comes off in injury if he's going to take a game or two to get the rust off, but, man, he, he, he hit the ground running. Uh, all puns intended here on Armchair Quarterback Radio. Uh, the, the, and then the other... A uh, big game, lest we not forget. How about them Titans, man? How about them? Man, who would have thought? You fired Vic Beasley, and then you have Clowney out hurt, and we see something we haven't seen all year called sacks. I mean, it was amazing that uh, we overpaid, and then I just look back and it's like, man, we could have still just paid Jarrell Casey. Now, granted, he's hurt for Denver, so they're not using him, but I'd still have him coming back next year, so... Man, what a – John Robinson's got to really evaluate his off-season acquisitions uh, and uh, shore that up a little bit. But, yeah, it looked good, uh, and I think a lot of it had to do with King in the secondary. King and Butler had time, which allowed the pass rush to actually get to the quarterback. Um, coverage created some sacks there. I, I also go back to what I was talking about last week is the fact that Vrabel tends to get his defenses playing better as the season goes on, and I felt like that the – that when they cut Beasley, that was a signal, a message sent to his locker room that said, we have a certain standard here, and I'm not saying they're going to be the 85 Bears all of a sudden, but what I'm saying is he expects to a little more of a toughness of his defense, and that's what we saw yesterday. Um, yeah, he said, we cut a guy that we essentially handed $9.5 million for three tackles. Straighten up, or hell, that be you. Whether you make more or less, we'll cut you too. I, I think it was a good wake-up call. Yeah, and... Of course, I only saw bits and pieces because I don't get it here locally. Uh, I had to endure the Jacksonville Jaguar game uh, and, of course, Red Zone. So what I saw in Red Zone. And then I always watch the highlights afterwards, but it's a little hard for me to get the feeling of the game. Uh, I'm looking very much forward to Thursday night's game because I actually get to watch an entire Tennessee Titan football game. 
don't take that for granted, my friend. And Ooh. I think that was an interesting thing, too, that uh, since you didn't get to see it, uh, you notice Henry was on the snap count. A lot of the players were on a snap count. I mean, because of Thursday, it was a Thursday right? night against yeah. the Colts. And with the Colts losing to the Ravens, statistically, we're in the lead. And you can, you've got Colts, Ravens, Colts uh, in the next three weeks. So you, you can lock up the AFC South if uh, you, you handle those three. I mean, that, that should put you in the catbird seat for the South. You don't uh, even have to worry about the Ravens game. You just win Colts. You just Colts. beat the Colts. Yeah. yeah. You, you just need, need to win that. So I would caution the scoreboard. Anyone... That should have been a 24 3 ball game. The two touchdowns late by the Bears. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. I, Maybe I would, I'll give you that, but the last one was a garbage touchdown. I would caution anyone going into the week that they play the Ravens because the way this, the thing is set up that you might actually want to bench a lot of your Titan players. Because if they beat the Colts, and I know they'll be coming off 10 days to go up against the Ravens. I'm not saying they're punting the game, but that next Colts game is a hell of a lot more important. Because if you if you if you if you somehow get to what would be what seven and two come uh, Friday morning, and the Colts are five and four. And you flash forward to two weeks afterwards. Let's say the Colts win and the Titans lose. It doesn't matter. Let's say let's say the Titans are then seven and uh, three, and the Colts would be what six and four. The Titans could put a freaking stomp on it because if they win the two Colts games, I know that's a big if they haven't even won one of them. But if they win the two Colts games, you would essentially be bare minimum three games in front of the Colts because you'd have the tiebreaker on them. And that's just assuming that the Colts win their game in between the uh, the Titans, which I I, I don't have. I mean, I like it. your strategy, and as a fan, I'm I'm a little leery of that. Uh, sitting here with like, yeah, but it is the Colts, and then they brought this guy Noodle oh, Arm guess, in. Guess that who they play? Happens to be the Kryptonite. Guess guess who they play uh, in between the Titans? Tell me, it's the Chiefs. Better the Packers. Awesome. So that's what I'm saying. That. The, that Ravens game is not important. It really isn't. It may, it may just sound weird, but it's really not much of an importance. The only way that becomes important is if somehow, some way, the Ravens catch the Steelers to win their division, which isn't likely. Um, it's possible, but it's not likely. And so, you know, the, they've got a two-game lead on the Ravens right now. Plus, they play one more game against each other on Thanksgiving night in Pittsburgh. It's not likely that the Ravens are going to catch the Steelers for for the uh, for the division. So, what I'm saying is they're not going to catch the Steelers because obviously the the loss to the Steelers hurts the Titans in that. They're not going to have a better record than the Chiefs. It's all about just getting that divisional win, divisional championship. Build your team from there. Win Thursday night. I'm not saying you're going to punt the game against the Ravens, but I'm saying you're you're not going to wear them out. And then get ready for the next game against the, the the Colts. Even if you split, you're in very good shape. Even if you drop the game against the Ravens. So, anyways, um, we'll uh, get off of that. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. Because uh, when we come back, a lot of college football to talk about. Double OT in South Bend. A lot of streaks ended that day. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio. 
your number one source for sports talk throughout the land. Took this book out in 1971. Yes, and I returned it in 1971. Yeah, 71. That was my first year on the job. Bad year for libraries. Bad year for America. Hippies burning library cards. Abby Hoffman telling everybody to steal books. I don't judge a man by the length of his hair, the kind of music he listens to. Rock was never my bag. But you put on a pair of shoes when you walk into the New York Public Library, fella. That cool, refreshing feeling of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum Puts a sparkle in your eye, a spring in your step And makes things lots of fun It's that little lift from Wrigley's Spearmint Gum It's that little lift, come on and get you some That clean, fresh taste Wrigley's Spearmint's got That little lift that means a lot Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I go to mybookie.ag. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Look, I wouldn't be telling you to bet mybookie.ag if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with mybookie.ag. Promo code SKIN, that's S-K-I-N. When you use that promo code, mybookie will match 100% of your deposit up to $1,000. That's mybookie.ag, promo code SKIN. Six rounds. TJ Hoshmazone. Yes. Lock it up. Who? What? Uh, TJ, how's the vanilla? Uh, all right. TJ, T- TJ, who's your mama? You mean TJ Hushmanzada from the Bengals. Put him on the board. Hushmanzoli. Got it. Championship. Make sure to join the armchair quarterbacks right here. We'll answer all your questions, pickups, trades, you name it. You want to win your league? Then listen to the armchair quarterbacks. And don't be scared to tap that app. Find the armchair quarterbacks app today. Tennessee football time. It's fantasy football time. Good morning. Armchair. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, y'all. Get your morning started off right. Weekdays with the armchair quarterbacks. Riding shotgun with you wherever you're heading. Sometimes we're funny, sometimes we suck. You don't have to be quiet. Listen to the echo. Hello! 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 (laughs) Mr. Bookman. I remember when the librarian was a much older woman. Kindly, discreet, unattractive. We didn't know anything about her private life. We didn't want to know anything about her private life. She didn't have a private life. You're thinking about that. Think about this. The library closes at five o'clock. No exceptions. This is your final warning. Got that? QB down. Welcome back here, the armchair quarterbacks. So, I I referenced what was going on with that vaccine. Pfizer, and I don't I don't recognize the other logos uh, letters. But they are very close to releasing a vaccine. 
I would think long before Christmas is when they'll get the okay, and then how long it takes to actually, you know, get it get it out on the shelves and whatnot. But by by the beginning of 2021, it looks like we're we're going to be going, which is funny because this is exactly what the president and his entire staff has been talking about for weeks. And it's like, oh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Oh, okay, whatever. And then all of a sudden, all these uh, dead people voted for you know the other guys. So uh, <laughs> you keep seeing this pop up. I saw a thing come up the other day, Justin, because I guess you can look up who voted for who, and like people have done research because they care. Uh, and it was something absurd. Like they have found well over one hundred people who would who would uh, be over a hundred years old in the city of Philadelphia that voted. Okay. They found, I think it was 30 something people that would have lived through the civil war. And then there was an additional 25 ish that were born at the very beginning of the 1800s. And it was funny when I was reading this to my wife, she was looking at me almost like, well, what's going on? She's, I go, what do you mean? She, she said, how are these people living this long? I said, they're not, they're dead. That's not, they're, it's, it's voter fraud. I was like, this has got, she goes, okay, that's what I thought. I said, I said, you really think, I said, that would be the biggest news story of the, on the planet. If you had someone that was lived through the civil war, was still kicking and somehow the pandemic didn't get it. <laughs> I've lived through two pandemics. The Civil I'm going to not go off the rails today, so but, I'll, I'll touch anyways, this one. But anyways, with all that being said, put, put all that aside, I watch the stock market futures every morning when I get up. It's the first thing that I look at, and then I usually start listening to uh, sports talk radio that comes out of the New York City area. A lot of times I'll be listening to it and watching the stock market before we go on the air. Normally I change it and I've got three monitors, not counting the one that I'm pulling my stats up on, but I got three monitors kicking and usually one's on ESPN, one's on uh, CBS sports app. And then the other one will be like MLB baseball or something, whatever's trending at the time. I haven't taken it off the stock, the stock market channel because normally if it's a good day, a good day that I have ever seen pre-market. And I haven't been doing this my whole life, but pre-market. We're talking about the Dow futures, Justin, are up around two, two to 300 points. Sometimes it's been as high as 400. This morning, it was, it was around 400 when I first started getting ready. By the time that I got cleaned up and came out here and, and put it on the main television, Justin, it is at 1,500 futures which is like 5% growth because the main thing is number one with the bullet is the news about the vaccine. Right. And then the other thing that got swept under the rug while everyone thinks that we elected our next King, you know, it's just one pawn in the whole thing. The Republicans held the Senate and that was huge news for the stock market. I don't care if you're, if you're a Republican or Democrat, look at the big picture when there is a Republican Senate, Split power always carries higher stock market. Right. Because it stability. It keeps the it keeps the extremism out of either party to just be able to pipeline down uh, the people's throats. So. Right. And and also the main thing is that everything that got passed the last several years under the current administration can't get kicked out, which is what their fear was originally. 
is that it was going to be what they call blue wave and they're going to shut everything all 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 those tax cuts everything that you're thinking of as far as that what built the economy the regulations whatnot they thought it was all going to be reversed that's going to be impossible now because this the uh senate's going to keep it as is so basically it's going to hold they're going to be in a holding pattern until well, keep in mind you have a special runoff in Georgia, so uh, I would fix your uh, counting processes before that uh, special election. To uh, that, right? But regardless, they're not going to lose the Senate. It's impossible because if you know, if you want to call Collins a Republican, okay. <laughs> What's that? Or Romney? If you want to call Collins or Romney, um, I guess it would be Collins. Uh, Senator from Maine, that's already uh, distanced herself. I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that and still call it a majority. You might have it in numbers count, but uh, I wouldn't be comfortable with it. Well, the important thing is the people that know what they're talking about as far as the stock market is concerned, they do. And that's right. why, and that's why the uh, the money's going through the roof. Are they, but, are they going to agree on every single little thing? Hell no, because you no. know we're, we're humans. But the important thing is the fiscal thing will be in place, and that's why you're seeing the stock market jump through the roof this morning because of the vaccine and a lot of other things. So you said um, something earlier, and I just want to want to ask, and I'll throw this out here, and it's all the political. I will say this morning. Um, you said obviously people would see this, and I honestly think that they don't. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it yet. It's been out for a while, but it's a social dilemma uh, on Netflix. It's a, it's a good neutral uh, documentary. Uh, it explains a lot of what's happening in our digital age and media um, and social platforms, and I uh, highly advise everybody to watch it. And you will understand why there's 70 million people in America that don't see eye to eye with the other 70 million. And when you talk to both of them, you're like, I blatantly don't see how in the world you're oblivious to this. Well, they're just getting funneled a feed that, uh, they don't do And nobody, uh, well, hell nobody alive young enough to truly on social media even knows how to go to the library or do research or have to look up things the way we, we used to have to do it. I mean, you remember what book reports used to be like in school when you had to do real investigative work and had to look something up and find sources. Yeah, that doesn't happen no more. And everybody scrolls through a feed and it's, it's the click, click, click mentality that is journalism now. So, um, I, I hey, advise you to watch it. Hey, it's a, I, came it's a before, great... I came before you, which means I couldn't copy and paste a damn thing. <laughs> I didn't have a high a computer till high school, and hell, I didn't know how to use it. My brother did, and that's why he makes video games now. So, yeah, I'm that loser. <laughs> uh, like you stupid nerd, and he's over here like, yeah. By the time I figured out, <laughs> by the time I figured out the copy and paste thing, I, I, I was already out of college. I was like, damn it, <laughs> it could have been a lot easier. Uh, you know, to hell with what, what, what are those little cheap books called? The uh, Cliff Notes. Cliff Notes. To hell with Cliff Notes. You just copy and paste stuff. Of course, of course. Nowadays they have programs that they can scan to see if if if, if that's been published, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a sweet spot in about the say late nineties into the mid to early two thousands where you could copy and paste away, and not many. Not many professors were uh, quick enough on the draw to be able to catch everything that was being dumped out onto the internet. All right, back to college football. But but the point of the, what we were saying is the stock market is going through the roof. It's 5.55. This is pre-market open. This means that your average Joe cannot purchase a stock right now. These are all the wheelers and dealers. There's no telling what, what Pfizer and the other one's going to be at. 
it's been steady around $36, $37. I guarantee that things are around 50 bucks easy right, right now. I've, I've had a few shares of it this whole time because I've kept hearing Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. I was like, all right, well, I guess I need to invest in some Pfizer. Um, college football. The big game, you know, the game of the weekend, Notre Dame, Clemson. Did you get a chance to watch much of it? Yeah, I, I mean, did uh, did you see the Tennessee-Arkansas game? I mean, there wasn't nothing to well, watch Well, that's why so. I asked because it was going on at the same exact time. So, you, you know, that's – Yeah, I flipped over to a real football game and uh, actually missed Harrison Bailey's debut uh, in there at Arkansas. So, hey, uh, kudos to Notre Dame. They actually won a big game. Uh, didn't fold or get steamrolled in uh, a top-five matchup. So, normally we see them in They're a good. playoff scenario and they just – they got steamrolled. Uh, yeah, they, they've got a running game. They've got an offensive line. And Ian Book said, hold my beer, watch this. And as he drives down the field and into the overtimes to uh, score, um, really big game all the way around. In, enormous game, and it keeps the hopes alive for Notre Dame. Uh, don't fret, Clemson fans, because if you run the table, win the ACC championship game, you're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, what this did open up for the Notre Dame is if they don't get blown out in the ACC championship game, they they might be in the playoffs as well. You might, for the first time, have two ACC teams and not two SEC teams in the uh, in the playoffs. Now, there's a lot that has to get played out, and I think a lot of people would be like, well, I don't even know if I consider Notre Dame a real ACC team, fair enough, because uh, this year it's just it's an anomaly that they're playing the – ACC schedule because of the uh, the uh, pandemic and whatnot. Everyone was shuffling, but regardless, um, I'm telling I, you, if they win a championship or they get deep and they're in that championship game, I'd stay right there. I'll tell you who gets hurt the most in this: Texas A&M and Florida, because Florida had the big W against Georgia. Georgia, by the way, looked just terrible after those first two touchdowns. They looked absolutely terrible. Their defense that we'd heard so much about, I didn't see them get any pressure on the Gators. Um, now, they did have three starting linebackers, or one defensive lineman, two starting linebackers. They did. Out. So, I mean, I, I, they will have some errors. But it was like I alluded to, I mean, it, it, as horrible as Tennessee is offensively, they showed that you can score points on that defense and, and play a close game. And just like I thought, that Florida offense would take over. And, I mean, they drummed them. They steamrolled them. I hope Tony had an well, absolute Well, my question blast. to you is, do you feel as confident as you did on Friday that – uh uh, Tennessee is going to be able to handle Florida at the end. Yes, exactly for the reasons I told you that uh, we would see Harrison Bailey come into the game, and now he's got multiple weeks to prepare. And uh, hey, it doesn't matter what the record is; we're just going to hang that L on them Gators. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I just, that's, that's what I want. I ain't to backing sense. down from it. All right, Tony. You want to come up to Knoxville? Open invitation. Uh, we'll wait uh, you to that game. We'll go. We'll make a trip out of it. So. The same Harrison Bailey that threw two interceptions and no touchdowns. <laughs> That's the reason why they're going to beat the game. You got to keep in mind his first pass was on fourth down. They they brought him in and did six running plays and then threw him in a freak pass and it was a deflection interception. Um, they didn't work with him. I think Cheney's head's going to roll before this season is over. Pruitt's going to have to make a change and slide something around or he's going to lose. Yeah, I'm telling you, Vol Twitter can be nasty. Um, he's he's going to lose his fan base if he continues to roll, and he continues to roll JG out there. I know you feel like you need that expertise and that experience out there, and we know that Shroud and Maurer have not developed. I, whatever reason, you got to fix it. You can't just keep saying that 
the worst quarterback I keep putting out here is the best one I got. I mean, at well, some point, you've got to roll on and see because keep in mind, you're in the arch sweepstakes. you got to be relevant. Well, I think the main thing that I took away from this game is they need to be using Eric Gray more. I mean, Eric Gray had had himself a game, and then the third quarter hit. They were they were up thirteen to nothing, and the third quarter hit. That was one of the worst quarters of football I've ever seen. Here's, it's you, the same problem the Titans had when they rolled Mariota out there. No defense took you serious enough that you could even challenge them outside of the hash marks. I mean, they just, there there was no threat of it, so they just sit and plug the run game. Well, you got to stay away from it, and then your quarterback can't keep the defense honest, and there's no threat of a deep play to even stretch it out. So you can get one-dimensional on defense, and then it, it, it's ball game. That's all Pittman did was – change his strategy, come out in the second half and uh, march down the field. I think it was seven plays, 75 yards. I mean, came right out of the halftime, marched it down, made it 13-7, and then uh, the next possession, Arkansas smashes it down their throat again. Um, and Tough kudos ride. to Pittman in Arkansas. I mean, I, I've always been an underdog guy. I like to see Arkansas be relevant. I, I can't oh, remember. I think Last time it was there, it was Felix. Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas were the two football. running back there? McFadden and Jones was the last time I remember uh, Arkansas rolling. Yeah, I, I'd say the last time Arkansas was relevant was about a decade ago. Uh, that's about the time that they lost Petrino, and it was about it's been about ten years. Uh, Arkansas, and I wouldn't even call them relevant back then, but they were very respectable. Well, above Pittman's going to put them on the map again. Above no doubt about that. I, fe I feel like he has. I feel like uh, Arkansas should do well in recruiting this year. They should. They got a lot of things uh, looking forward to the next coming years. I was impressed, and it doesn't get any easier for the Volunteers as they play Texas A&M this weekend. Then they go to Auburn, and then they get Vanderbilt, and then they're uh, playing the Gators. So they, we know they got at least one win coming, but. It's going to be yeah, hard to We might beat Vanderbilt. <laughs> That's what, That was the win yeah. I was giving them. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. You got that wrong. Uh, yeah. We're going to have the walk-off. I don't think they're going to beat the Gators, <laughs> buddy. But okay. We'll, we'll, we'll wait to that week. First things first, be, beat Jimbo Fisher. Eliminate him. We're going to get our polling center um, employees down there in Knox County to come down and run the scoreboard. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have more points. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, other games real quick, uh, before we move back to the NFL, um, BYU once again, looked incredible, blew out Boise state at Boise state. Both teams were undefeated and ranked 51 to 17. I watched that game. I keep trying to tell people and I'm telling y'all, you need, y'all need to quit sleeping on BYU. BYU might be undefeated at the end of the season. And though, as well as they've played, it's not just the fact that, you know they're undefeated. It's how how they've done it. it they're, it's going to be hard pressed for teams to to keep them out of the playoffs. Um, I don't think they will. I think they'll be right on the outside looking in. But let some of these teams get two losses. It's going to be a wrap. BYU's yeah. going to get in there. And, and, I, I think and to that point, Cincinnati blew out Houston. Houston, I know, is not what they were a few years ago. But Cincinnati should be ranked. Uh. Near near that top four here in a few weeks as well. So, um, Liberty took out Virginia Tech in an incredible ending to a game that is just un unbelievable. If you haven't seen it, you need to go back and watch that. Fuentes is going to kick himself forever for calling that timeout. Oh, for people that missed it, Virginia Tech, Liberty were tied 35-35. 
and Liberty lines up for a field goal, long field goal. Virginia Tech blocks it, runs it back for a touchdown as time expires, should have won the game. But their head coach called a timeout just before the play happened, and the, and the play never counted. And so what happens? Liberty kicks a field goal to, to end the game. Unbelievable. Um, Coastal Carolina still undefeated. That's another team that's going to start creeping up the rankings too. They're, they were 15th going into this this uh, this week, so they get another W. Oregon gets an impressive win against Stanford to start start their season off. And USC got flat ass out lucky, lucky yeah. to pull off that Arizona State game. What made me even more mad about that, Justin, was that was my stupid underdog pick. <laughs> And I was going to pick Liberty, but it was Tony's turn to pick first. So he grabbed Liberty. And I raced Kane on the show. I was like, man, I just knew you were going to pick it. Because I wasn't worried about anyone else grabbing Liberty, but I knew Tony would be on top of this. And so I had to watch them, uh, you know, Liberty getting the stupid underdog pick. We do that on Saturday mornings, y'all. I won't get in, into the rules. Uh, just listen to the show on Saturday mornings, and you'll understand what we're doing. But then... 27 of 14, four minutes left, and they cannot stop them. Not only did they get it with two fourth downs during in two possessions, but they couldn't crawl an onside kick. Unfreaking believable how they blew. And they get the ball back, and that quarterback of theirs is just, he's iffy at best. Did a terrible job. He did a great job getting them to midfield, and they did a terrible job after that. They lose 28-27. Did you get a chance to watch any of that, by the way? I did not. I was locked in uh, pretty much the Big Ten um, during the day games. Uh, Indiana, whoa! And now I'm 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 interested here because you've got Indiana, Ohio State, uh, two weeks um, coming up, and this week Ohio State has Maryland. Now, the way Maryland's rolling, you see a trap game there. Oh, two is going to put up some numbers. They're plus twenty five right now on the early spread, opening up. Uh, Man, I like Maryland and some points on this game. Just wanted to watch this week, kind of see where that spread goes. I think Ohio State wins that game, but uh, Maryland's got a high potent offense. And then you roll Indiana the following week. Uh, yeah, I think I think that, that actually got. I think that went under the radar was the fact that Maryland beat Penn State over the weekend. I don't remember that being acknowledged. Maryland and Indiana are looking good right now. Franklin's got some issues. Franklin's got some real, real, real big time issues. Um, he's zero and three. I know. He, I know he's going to get a pass because of the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. But Maryland goes out there and takes him to the woodshed. Remember, they got. This is the same Maryland team that was blown out forty three to three on opening day to, to Northwestern. And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh God, what the hell is wrong with Maryland?" They. They ended up beating uh, Minnesota because of a miss extra point as time expired uh, on in week two. I just, just chalked that up to Minnesota's not very good, right? Right. Man, they went in. Into, I don't know if Penn State was sleepwalking. I did not watch that game. I just saw the score, and I could not believe that Maryland uh, pulled that off. Man, if you if you if you pick that one, I think that. That that was a plus twenty five. I want to say that the money line was around nine hundred. So yeah, yeah. But interesting week this week. I'm curious to watch those games and uh, following Indiana to uh, 
man, I hope they're both undefeated. I'd like to see an Indiana Ohio State because Indiana has showed in years past they play Ohio State tough. They've had near victories the past couple seasons, uh, or within the past couple seasons. We've had some nail biters there. So um, this might be the year. That defense looks uh, pretty pesky and they look legit. Now, granted, I can't tell if uh, Michigan's that bad because uh, it's apparently starting to look that way. Yeah, and then the other one, not that it was a big game, but the fact that the way Texas A&M took it to uh, South Carolina, I figured they would win. They were a 10-point favorite. I thought they'd win by a couple of touchdowns or so. Man, they, they never had a chance. 48-3, to and that, and that field goal was a garbage field goal at the end. I... Kellen Mond really didn't even look that explosive. It was more of that running game for for AM, but Mond did finish with four touchdown passes. But as far as that, you know, when you only throw for 220 yards in college football, that's not an astronomical number when your team scores 48. They just absolutely first of all, the AM defense looked phenomenal. I kept flipping over there. Uh, I, I missed the first half of a lot of those night games because we had to take our our dog to the uh, to the to the emergency doggy vet, and so I got home around halftime um, and uh, was catching up through the games. You know how YouTube you can you know hit the thing where it says catch up through important plays and it takes you to live. So that's what I did with Tennessee. It's what I did with with uh, Clemson, which is a really cool little thing that they do on YouTube TV. If people have never paid attention, I don't think it's every game, but certain channels you'll go to, it'll say start from beginning, join live. And then the third option on a ball game would be catch up through important plays. And it'll have like eight or nine, like significant plays and, and they'll catch you up to speed, which is a pretty cool option. Uh, but I, I was mainly watching that Clemson game, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame. I was pulling for Notre Dame because I just feel like college football is better when Notre Dame is, is doing well for a number of reasons. So many people hate Notre Dame. It's good. It's good for people to hate stuff because they like to watch stuff they hate. Right. Um, and then also because it makes that, that rematch so much bigger because had Clemson, one in Notre Dame, I think a lot of people would be like, I don't know if Notre Dame's got a shot once they get uh, Trevor Lawrence back. But in Notre Dame's offense in that game, it's not like the backup. What's his name? Ui. Ui. I call him DJ because I can't pronounce. Yeah, it's a DJ Ugalele is his name. Ugalele. Um. I've heard a couple of guys throw like it was like seven syllables. I was like, that is not right. I had to pull it up also. <laughs> but anyways, Ugalele, uh, he threw for four thirty nine, two touchdowns. Dude's legit. He's like, that's why I wasn't worried yeah. about Clemson. I thought that I'm would stick in this right game. I'm telling you right now, he's better than he might be better. Than well, done. I I think people think it's a foregone conclusion that Clemson is going to win that rematch with Lawrence. You can't play much better than what Ugalele did. You're talking about he's 29 of 44, two touchdowns, 439 yards passing. Yes, in that final OT, he looked like a deer in headlights and got hit a couple of times. Okay, I get that. And maybe Lawrence does a little better. But I'm just saying, you know, as a package, that kid is legitimate. And if Lawrence – was it three, four weeks ago, I saw Lawrence say he wasn't sure if he was going to leave to go to the NFL. If he doesn't go, Ugalele is going to go somewhere because he's going to be like, I'm not sitting behind you, buddy, you know. You know, love y'all and everything. 
What's that? I was working my prayers in for Jeremy Pruitt to yeah, land him through the transfer portal. I think. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I think I, I think he would go to to you know like an offensive guru if he if he left, or he would do the easy thing. Winning program, I get it. I mean, or you know he'd do the easy thing, just go to Alabama. <laughs> Put everyone on, on, on Hey, on, on, Tua's brother said, screw it, I'm leaving Alabama and going to Maryland. So That's I because mean, that's how good Mac Jones is. Like, <laughs> he goes, What the hell have I done here? Oh, I mean, yeah, could he not have chose a little bit bigger program than Maryland? But that, that's just, all I'm saying is maybe we got to hope. What at the same token, if he, if he turns Maryland into, into not saying a national title contender, but if he puts him on the map, everyone's going to know it's because of him. And so your stock True. goes through the roof. Uh, let's take a really quick break. We're going to be about 90 seconds because when we come back, we got some NFL to react to. And I've got one important question to ask Justin Waller on the other side of the break about a certain man's future in the Big Ten. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. If the two of you got through 2020 together, you can get through anything. This holiday, make it official with a stunning engagement ring from Shane Company. Create your unique ring in three easy steps. Simply pick a setting, choose a natural diamond, ruby, or sapphire center stone. Then add your own touch, like a decorative crown or a personal engraving. Here's another option. Select one of our perfectly preset engagement rings. Each of these rings is already set with the shape and size center stone that our designers envisioned, which means that your ring will be perfect. Because our quality standards are the highest in the industry, we're able to guarantee your ring for free for life. This year and every year after, we'll be here for you. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company and Shaneco.com. Open weekdays 10 till 8, Saturday 10 till 5, and Sunday noon till 5. We are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. On the boats and on the planes, coming to America. Fantasy Sports is back, and it's time to jump into DraftKings. Go to DraftKings today at DraftKings.com. Golf, NASCAR, soccer, you name it. And of course, Major League Baseball, basketball, hockey, and football are on the way. Go to DraftKings.com, listen to the Armchair Quarterbacks for DFS advice all year round. It's Welcome back. The Armchair Quarterbacks here on CBS Radio, Facebook Live. And remember, you can always download our app, tap that app, take it anywhere you go. It's uh, free to download and listen to on uh, Google, Android, and Apple iPhone. Uh, Justin, going to go ahead and start this off with the biggest question. We were just talking college, and then we'll go back into the NFL in one second. But before we leave the whole college football thing, I just got to know something from you. After Saturday, will Jim Harbaugh be a Michigan Wolverine employee in 2021? I mean, for Wolverine fans, I hope not. If you ever have aspirations of beating Ohio State again, I hope not. I mean, I, I just I don't see it. He's the Butch Jones of the Big Ten. I'll just call it what it is. Jeff Brom at Purdue is going to pass him up. Indiana is going to pass him up. I mean, where do you want to be, Michigan, as a football program? It's funny. I, 
We'll, now here's the one thing. Let me let me preface that. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, I'll go finish ahead. With this. Now I have to I have to ask, and I don't have the info on this, but did Whitmer lock him down in that state? You know, they would be Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State's obviously bad too. They they don't look any better. Uh, were they locked down in some way that the they weren't allowed to practice or have anything? Did they have to go 100 percent virtual? Those are the things I don't know that might give him a pass in 2020. But when I take the rest of his body of work, I would have already moved on. Um, but that's just me. Um, I know that they, they, they play the academics card and that's why they're loyal to Harbaugh because he did it at Stanford. So they think he can do it there, but there's a lot of other coaches that, that could do that same thing. And I mean, let's face it, you, you go to Michigan to beat Ohio state. That, that's what they tout. It's kind of Tennessee wants to beat Alabama. We ain't done it in so long, but that that's, that's the rivalry there. You want, you want to beat that, that, that sister yeah, I don't state think... that, that you dislike that that's their season. I also believe that your average, uh, uh, you know, as I, as we call them, you know, Walmart alumni, um, who just are fans of the program and don't know anything about the, about the school itself. I don't think they realize or understanding about the fact that Michigan is a top 10, top 10 public university in the United States. So they do have an extra hurdle to co to, to, uh, to uh, to cross every year because they're trying to be Ohio State, which is not even a, close to being elite, and that's their main thing is that they're going up against Ohio State, so they can't really get always the same athletes that they can get at Ohio State, anyways. So I think that's the people like Sean who have told us. Well, I always ask my ask myself, what are we going to get that's better? I think that's the part that's always overlooked is the fact that uh, I'm with you as far as the fact that it really what you're what you're going to do is clearly state what your expectations of the program are going forward, and if it is to compete for national championships and Big Ten titles, then you need to try to get some new blood in there because he's been there what it's got to be five six years by now, right? Um, I think this is the fifth. Okay, so at the end of year five, and you're losing to Indiana, you're losing to Michigan State. The Michigan State's the one that really would sting me because the fact that, and I get it, you don't have fans in the stands. It's probably an empty, hollow feeling playing in in uh, the big house with not a fan in the stand because of Whitmer. But at the same token, you're losing at home to a bad Michigan State team, that's your in-state rival, and you can't even get that W, that's a that's a big-time issue. And we all thought they had something after week one because of Minnesota, but Minnesota's just a really bad football team. We, you know, th that, that has played out. And, yeah, this and, isn't the same Gopher, Golden Gophers we saw last year. No. Flex got some work to do. He, he, he either lost a lot or uh, oh, he lost not a prepared. ton. He lost a ton. I, I remember when Sean and I did the, the, uh, the, you know, the preseason look. And that's been way back since I think hell, I think we did that in June. Um, but from what I remember of it, they lost a ton in the draft and it was a senior laden team anyways. But you know, they, they did. Well, Minnesota fans calm down a little bit. I'm not killing you. They, they did get back to somewhat normal, you know, blowing out Illinois this weekend, but Illinois is a really bad. I mean, Illinois is trash. And I don't even know if that's Lovey Smith's fault. I think that's just the fact that Illinois is not the program that we grew up on 
Not that Illinois was ever a national power as a kid, but they were always respectable. You always knew that when you played Illinois all the way up into about the mid-90s that, you know, that's a tough football team. Nowadays, or, you know, even when Ron Zook had his little run there, they weren't. But nowadays, they're just, I don't know. From my understanding, Illinois' biggest issue is they don't put the money into the program. And so they just expect these inner-city kids to come from Chicago and help build their program and they're not like the, the ones that are good. They, they leave to go to Ohio state is, is where they're going or, you know, elsewhere. So I just want to get that off the docket. Uh, also talking about the NFL, we'll get much more in the NFL tomorrow is, you know, we always come up on time. It's hard to, to squeeze all this into your hour on Mondays, but one of the things that jumped out at me, so Seattle goes out to Buffalo and it, it, it was funny to hear all the pundits say that, and this was early Saturday, Sunday morning on ESPN, their, their uh, uh, gambling show that they have on, we're all saying that I'm not paying attention to. I know everyone always wants to talk about nowadays. They, they actually were referencing it like this is something just come up in the last couple of years. I'm like, man, I'm pretty sure the armchair quarterback's been telling you this since way, well around uh, 2014 that the West Coast, East Coast thing is a real thing. And you go from the West Coast to the East Coast, and Buffalo looked like world beaters, and Seattle couldn't, Seattle didn't wake up till after halftime. But with all that being put aside, I get that Seattle probably lost that game because it was on the West Coast and da-da-da, I mean, on the East Coast. And, you know, that's essentially 10 o'clock in the morning their time. But what's glaring about that loss is they gave up 44 points. Now, evidently, that's the most points ever given up in the uh, Pete Carroll era, which shocked me. That number shocked the hell out of me. I felt like I see Seattle give up 44 points on a regular. But is that Seattle defense? going to be what is essentially becomes the death of them in the uh in the nfc playoffs i think in the playoffs it will be i mean you can't allow quarterbacks to throw 400 yards period it can't happen you've got to stop that bleeding at some point i look at the nfc and i say that seattle could probably outgun anyone in the nfc south obviously the nfc east is trash but I don't know if they're beating the Green Bay Packers, which possibly could be in Green Bay at that point. And hell, if we have a vaccine kicking at that point, which sounds like we might, you you could have a sold out Lambeau Field. I think that we saw them lose last year in Lambeau Field because they couldn't score on Green Bay. I don't think that'll be the case this year. I think they'll score, but how are they going to stop Aaron Rodgers in that offense? come the playoffs i think they're gonna win the division because they're just gonna outclass everyone in the division but man that defense was scary because this was supposed to be the game they were all looking for because jamal adams and carlos dunlap were both back and that's now okay so you know so now what and they made they made josh allen look like a MVP contender like he was in the first few weeks. Remember the last four weeks, I think he'd thrown four touchdowns and four interceptions total. He, I mean, you you already said it, but 415 yards through the air, three touchdowns. 
I'll tell you what, though, when Buffalo's playing well and that offense is rolling, that's a fun team to watch. Josh Allen is a fun, fun quarterback to watch. Uh, and then the other qu- the other question I'll throw at you is, uh, is Dalvin Cook the best running back in the National Football League right now? Statistically speaking. I mean, if we're going off fantasy performance, yeah. No, I'm just saying, is he the best running back in the NFL? Nah, King Henry. Uh, I'm by, so he can keep No way. It, it's 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 Dalvin Cook. It's got to be Dalvin Cook. Let him get to the playoffs and see if he takes over and dominates like we know Henry can do. Well, he's going to have to get on a team that can do that. You you put – Well, then you can't be the best in the NFL then, can you? Sure you can. I mean, I would argue that C-Mac, for that matter, could be better than, than Cook. Everybody knew that that uh, Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback in the NFL long before they won the Super Bowl last year. But anyways, I, I, fi- I figured you were going to take that route. Um I would actually say this: the second best running back in the NFL might be uh, Alvin Kamara, just from a total package. Because the one thing that Henry hurts you on is the passing game, comparatively to Cook and Kamara. Yeah, but he can catch a screen pass and just stiff arm everybody, and still have enough speed to break it for a hundred yards. I mean, no other back can that, do but that. But he's but he's also any so- given play can be a touchdown for that man. Well, obviously, any given play can be a touchdown for Dalvin Cook. I mean, good lord, what did he do, what did he do yesterday? He, yesterday was ridiculous. Two two hundred two hundred something yards. Yeah, two hundred six yards yesterday. He had uh, over two hundred yards the uh, week before. I mean, it's it's just it's unreal. I, I get it; it's against the Lions, but um, the problem that I always see with with Henry is that if they focus on him and they put enough bodies on him, he's not elusive enough, so he is a big target. But I'm not trashing Henry. I'm just saying the best running back in the National Football League right now is is Dalvin Cook. Hey, pre preseason, I would have said. Uh, don't disrespect the king. We're post-election. That'll be considered treason. Who are you talking about? <laughs> LeBron James? We got two of them on the, in Nashville now. We got one on offense, one on defense. We got two kings now. I think old LBJ is the one that uh, claimed that first. So uh, <laughs> I'd like, I'll tell you what, I would have liked to have seen him in shoulder pads. And then before we hit the sorry dudes real quick, uh, for the next 10 years, would you rather have Tua, Kyler Murray, or Herbert? I know that's a Jeez. tough question, but I just want a gut reaction. I'm not going to hold you to this seven Herbert. years from now and go, you said what? What's that? Herbert. Can't believe I just took an Oregon quarterback. But I, still, I think he was thrown into the mix, and he's won and, and been in games. I mean, dang, did you see the Raiders game yesterday? Yeah, it was great. I, I, I mean, that, that – could have very well. I mean, it was called a touchdown. Obviously, it was dropped at the end. But, uh, man, the kid is uh, – he's got ice in his veins, that's for sure. Yeah, they lost another heartbreaker. It was unbelievable. Um, the uh, – I Could I'm possibly leaning- end up being Tua. I just haven't seen Tua enough to really know. But I think we've seen Herbert a few more weeks. And, uh, I mean, I have nothing against Kyle Murray. Great quarterback. But uh, – I think Herbert came in doing a little bit more faster. We, 
I'm leaning with Kyler Murray at this point. Um, but Tua is very, very impressive. And, of course, Herbert looked very good, too. It's going to be a lot. The NFL is going to be very fun to watch for the next several years with all these young quarterbacks. We thought that when Patrick Mahomes hit the scene that maybe he would be, like, above and beyond. But I'll tell you what, all these other quarterbacks, Mahomes is still the best. But it, I think the gap is a lot uh, shorter than what we thought it was. Um, only got time for a couple of these. You got any sorry dudes you want to throw out there? Uh, just of all nation. Uh, sorry, dude. We're still rebuilding. It'll be 2031 before we're relevant again, and we'll probably have to transfer to the MAC conference. <sighs> I'll throw that. Same Can we get thing? a quarterback? Does any young man in this country want to play and try and win football games? Come on. Dude. We haven't even talked about Florida State. You're preaching to the choir. I'll just go ahead and ditto that. Whatever you just said, put Florida State in the same. That that is, that offensive line is atrocious. That's what I want to see Florida State. Does anyone want to play offensive line at FSU? Anybody. Justin, what are you doing next fall? <laughs> I think between our two, can we merge? Like, can we just, can we combine with, with our offensive line and maybe one of your quarterbacks? Maybe we can have a football team. I, I know we can field a defense. I think I like it. We'll have to come up with what we would call the team, but, you know, I think I like it. Sean. Sorry, dude. I like Just, Florida volunteers with sting people more down there. Sean O'Toole, who, who's with us on Sundays and Wednesdays. Dude, please quit sending me your text messages that never age well. Uh, when it went to 24 nothing, Saints, he was all giddy because he said uh, he was bragging to Stephen and I about how the over was looking good. And... And uh, I made the comment right then. I said, I mean, unless they lose like 49 to nothing because the, the over under was 50 and a half. He didn't even come close to it. He, he It's like Costanza trying to touch the building, scrape at 41 points. I told him, though, the last night, I said, if it makes you feel any better, that helped, that helped me hit a parlay because <laughs> I took the under. <laughs> I thought it would be a low-scoring close game. I didn't think it would be a low-scoring uh, blowout. Um you got anything else before you jump off? Uh, to the Georgia Bulldogs. Sorry, dude. Called that one, though. Uh, Jets fans. Sorry, dude. Cam Newton's about to have his only second game that'll be worth a crap for the entire year, but he's about to make a statement. And then you we'll watching have, that tonight? Yeah, that'll be yeah yeah that's like Cam Newton versus the Jets. I think. Uh, I, I Are think, you actually watching the? You, you're tuning in. Yes, because they're they're my survivor pool. <laughs> so, okay, so that's my that's my reasoning. I almost got. To, the I'm name. looking for a bet that I could feel like something to lure me in and make me want to watch this, and I can't even find a, a, a parlay or a, a prop bet that I'm like, yeah, I like that. There was almost the, the, there's only two of us left. The guy that I'm going against, he had the Steelers, so I was actually locked into that game at the end of the game. I was like, come on, Dallas. Come on, oh, Dallas. Dude, that's a sorry dude for me. I had a two-team parlay. I picked it up halfway through, and uh, Cowboys for the win, and uh, Raiders for the win. And the Raiders Chargers come down to the last play. It gets overturned, so I get that one. I'm like, come on, Cowboys. Come on, Cowboys. And, uh, yeah, we know that didn't end that well. But, man, sure, Sean, Sean evidently did the same thing because he, he sent us a text, something about how he took – uh, at halftime, the Cowboys to win. I forget what the other game was, but anyways, 
He said, you know, this is what makes me so mad about gambling. I said, no, this is what makes you so mad about gambling on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. But, but I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a half. They were up uh, at that point, I think, 13. And uh, I think they were throwing out plus 135. I'm like, hey, man. Yeah, I, I'll throw something at that. Let's go. Right. No, but, but he, he was selling it to us like it was some incredible thing that happened that the Dallas Cowboys lost a game to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's that's where I'm at. It wasn't 40 to nothing at the half is, is where I'm getting at. All right, brother. Uh, we'll see you uh, manana. Uh, we'll talk about other things that probably won't be have anything to do with Cam Newton, I, I would assume. <laughs> I'm going to send you a uh, good athletic article uh, about some Major League Baseball. We got some rumors of uh, all uh, all pitchers are uh, cheating or using something for stickiness. I'll I'll send that to you after the show and uh, like to discuss that tomorrow because our buddy Trevor Bauer is uh, included in this. So anywhere Trevor Bauer is, you know it's entertaining. Really? Okay. I look forward to that. We're going to see you tomorrow, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. Doug will be with us, and we're going to talk about those Oakland Raiders. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good morning, and this is your Armchair Quarterbacks Sports Flash. Bowles tries to screen it. Montgomery on the right side. Big Jeff is there. The ball comes loose. The Titans pick it up. 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. End zone. Touchdown, Titans, as King took it to the house. That 63-yard scoop and score by newly acquired Desmond King sent the Titans to a 24-17 victory over the Chicago Bears, improving to 6-2 and taking sole possession of the AFC South. Tennessee is now atop the division because the Indianapolis Colts lose 24-10 at home to the Baltimore Ravens. Third and goal from the one. Given to Edwards, left side, touchdown! That time the bus is in. And the Ravens, for the first time this afternoon, have the lead. Tennessee and Indianapolis square off Thursday night, a battle for first place in the division. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 8-0, barely. Back there by himself, wide side to the left. He throws it to the left. That's Eric Ebron, over a man, into the end zone. He was Dumbo the Flying Elephant, went airborne, went over a tackler, and scored from eight yards out. Pittsburgh would rally from a huge deficit against the Lowly Cowboys. Hold on to win 24-19. They are now 8-0. By three by one with Murray in the backfield, Breeze under pressure in the pocket. Back of the end zone, wide open! Touchdown! Traquan Smith all alone in the back corner. The ball's in the air for 12 seconds, Deuce. And it looks like Traquan's able to keep his feet in bounds. He's completely uncovered. That touchdown pass was a sign of things to come as the Saints blow out the Buccaneers 38-3. We'll have more on the scoreboard as the show moves along. And that's your Armchair Quarterbacks Wake Up Show, CBS Sports Flash. Stay tuned for more of the Armchair Quarterbacks on these CBS affiliates, our Facebook Live, in the Armchair Quarterbacks app. Tap that app. We live in a world now that welcomes and nurtures the screwball in all of us. Hey, it's a new decade, people. Time to get a little nutty. 
treat yourself to Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey, a smooth flavor that combines two of America's favorites, peanut butter and American whiskey. So no more social awkwardness. Time to embrace who you truly are. Get out there and make friends. And be sure it starts with Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. It's available nearly everywhere. Learn more at screwballwhiskey.com. Infinium Spirits. Please enjoy responsibly. We are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. So don't ask me no questions, and I won't tell you no lies. Man, I've been working too hard, ten hour days and I'm tired. Damn this knuckle busting, back breaking, no paying job. Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks, CBS Sports Radio, Facebook Live, and the Armchair Quarterbacks app. Tap that app today. Uh, welcoming on to the show every Monday morning is Red Raider Doug. Doug, I bet you're puckered up a little bit there at the end of that uh, Chargers game. How the hell are you, sir? I'm uh, doing well, and thank God we got past that one. Good Lord. I thought we were going to give away another one. Poor Charger fans, man. That is two weeks in a row that they lost on the last play of the game. As un- yeah. Oh, my God. You've got to be. I, I know you, you have no love loss on a Charger fan, but you've got to feel for a fan who has to go through that two weeks in a row. Had they won those two games, they'd be right in the wild card hunt. Now their season's almost dead. Even with Herbert throwing for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, uh, Carr, Carr, had, Carr had a decent game 165 and two touchdowns. You know, nothing to write home about. What was the biggest thing, the, your biggest takeaway in that game? Uh, well, the fact that Gruden's starting to use his two-back system with uh, with Booker and um, and uh, Jacobs, it's kind of interesting. They've done that two weeks in a go, uh, two weeks in a row now. So uh, that's kind of interesting how they're taking some of the pressure off of Jacobs and using Booker the way they are. Yeah, they they end up rushing for 160 yards total. Yeah, uh, um, Jacobs having a bad day is not helping me in fantasy. But from a football perspective, I get that they're wanting to uh, keep probably Jacob fresh for the playoffs in, in, instead of him wearing down. So I get that. It's just it's frustrating when you own players like that and you're like, oh, God, what have I done over here, man? Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of things like that go on yesterday. I had a pretty good day in fantasy, but the games that I lost were – Guys, where you don't know who the hell to start because there's too many shares in in a one lineup, and you're basically throwing a dart. Because you don't, as much as we sit here and can try to rattle off in situations of like the Pittsburgh passing game or the uh, the running game of we can name a few teams. We can take intelligent, educated guesses what we've seen going into it, but we're not in their actual rooms going into the game, actually game planning with them and know how many touches so-and-so is going to get. It's like, it's like Justin said with uh, Derek Henry should have went off yesterday, a game where they had a huge lead where they were milking the clock but they decided to keep him on a pitch count, so to speak, because of the Thursday night game coming up yeah. against a division 
rival, which at game time at kickoff, they were actually tied for first place with. Now they have a one game lead, but regardless, they knew that game was going to be very important to win. And so I think you, you have to start, you, you might have to start reading those kind of tea leaves going forward into not, I'm not just talking about if you're a Henry owner, I'm talking about if you're an owner of a lot of fantasy players, you got to start reading the tea leaves as far as, all right, well, what do they have coming up? What game's important to them? Are they going to put so-and-so on a quote-unquote pitch count? I know that's a baseball term, but it seems like that's what everyone is tending to use nowadays. Um, and uh, anyways, away we go is uh, we were just talking about the stock market a little earlier. It's now up to 6%, 1,700, the Dow Futures. Unfreaking believable Unbelievable. <laughs> Anyone involved in the stock market it is a happy day for you. I guarantee you that. I can't wait to open up my, my app after the show to see where everything's at. Um, come on, DraftKings. Come on, DraftKings. <laughs> We've got a lot, of st- a lot of shares in that. That, that thing's taken a dip over the last several weeks. I'm hoping this will bring it all back. Um, moving on from that, uh, the, the Raiders now, by the way, uh, they are in really good shape. You know, we talked about this last week, but they're five and three now. And you look at the at the at the playoff standings as we speak. Right now, they're sixth in the AFC. And I don't know why they have the cutoff at seven on this app that I'm looking at. I mean, at six, the cutoff is seven teams are getting in. Now there's now a, a three way tie for seventh in the AFC. Technically, four-way tie for six with Las Vegas. But if it ended today, Las Vegas would have the advantage because they have the best conference record at this point. Now, obviously, all that plays out at the end. You know, right now they're three and two in the conference. Miami's two and two. Cleveland's three and three, and the Colts are two and three. All that gets played out in the end. But right now, it's looking good for Las Vegas, especially. You know, we talked about this last week, but they've got a fairly easy schedule down the stretch and they just have to win the games that they should win. Um, this coming week, we see what do we have here this coming week? Uh, they play Denver again, or is this the first time? No, I'm sorry. This is the first time they've played Denver. For some reason, I feel like that they, uh, have already played them, but they haven't played them since last year. They played Denver who they've struggled against a little bit but i think that's a game that they should win it's going to be in vegas then they play the chiefs that's that's the big one because if you can sweep the chiefs you've got a you've actually got a chance at the division i don't think they'll win the division but what say you if they beat the chiefs y'all listen to the rest of their schedule if if they were to beat denver and to beat the chiefs they would be within what one game of kansas city tech technically but if they were to yeah. get if they were to become tied with the chiefs which the chiefs are not invincible we saw that yesterday the the chiefs would lose the tiebreaker and that game's in vegas and if they beat you like a drum in kansas city conventional wisdom would say they've got a decent chance to win the second game that is a night game too i think that's a sunday night game that might be a yeah that's a sunday night game yeah. uh two sundays from but listen to the rest of your schedule y'all at atlanta at the jets at home against the colts and the chargers and the dolphins 
and then they finish it off at Denver. By that game, Denver might have packed it all in. They they might be playing all the all their scrubs anyways. I don't see a lot of losses down the stretch if they can get past Kansas City. What say you? I agree. I mean, the, they had they had their uh, they had their future in their own hands, and a lot of those games too were against teams that were competing for for those playoff spots. You beat Miami, you beat the Chargers, you beat the Chiefs, and you're in the playoffs. You you could you could even drop the last game, perhaps get upset by Denver on the last game, and and you're still going to make the playoffs. So there, your chances are. Hmm. What might end up being bigger than that actual Chiefs game, if you just concede that the Chiefs will probably win the division, is there are two really important matchups in December. One on the 13th versus the Colts, and one yep. on the 27th against the Dolphins. Yep. Those are huge, man. Huge. Yep. Um, I... I'm looking at this, and if they don't stub their toe and lose games that they should. Now, I will say this. When they go out to Atlanta, West Coast, East Coast, I worry about that game. Not just from from the time perspective, but Atlanta's playing better football. And I think Atlanta's been actually been pretty decent all year long. They just have found ways to lose games late. They somehow held on yesterday. They were trying to pull another Falcon uh, <laughs> yesterday, if they would have lost that to the freaking Broncos, I'd be like, man, I give up on Atlanta. They're just never going to win a game again because they they had a huge lead again, and somehow it came down the last few minutes. They, it, these games shouldn't be coming down the last few minutes when you have a huge lead and you sign Todd Gurley in the offseason to prevent this kind of stuff. You should be handing it to, what is he, number 25 or whatever, whatever number he wears, you should be handing it to Gurley down the stretch and quit. Every time I see the Falcons with like a two or three touchdown lead, they're in a shotgun formation. I'm like, what in the hell are you doing? From fantasy perspective, people love it. But what in the hell are you doing? Is Matt Ryan calling the plays? Because it makes no sense. You've got to develop that running game to be able to get wins. Do I think... Look, there's no way that Atlanta's going to make some incredible run, I wouldn't think, and make the playoffs. I mean, where are we at in the NFC with them? They're three and six, and the cutoff is at four losses right now. I guess if they went on a tear, they could catch the Bears and Rams, but probably not. No. But all those coaches and all those players are playing for jobs next year. Somewhere whether it's in the city of Atlanta or not. And I just do not understand why every time I, I pull up a, a Falcons game, I mean, they were up, what was it? Uh, I think it was 34 to 13 in the fourth quarter. And then they let them score three touchdowns. And they were sitting right back at it again. In the fourth quarter, they, they got outscored 21 to 7. And once again... Gurley only had 53 yards rushing. Just it's it's just it it dumbfounds me. Not that we're going to turn this into an Atlanta Falcons show, but it just dumbfounds me at the Atlanta Falcons just to keep on doing Falcony type things. Um, the Kansas City Carolina game, by the way. Did yes. you? Wow, Carolina almost pulled that off, and that would have been huge for for uh, the Raiders. 
You're sitting. Yeah, they had lost. Yeah. You're sitting now. What? Uh, you're five and three, and Kansas City's eight and one. If you beat Kansas City, brings you within a game, and then you're looking at down the stretch. You have to. Even if the Raiders go on an absolute ridiculous run, you have to concede they're going to lose at least one, maybe two games, right? Yeah. So that would put you at eleven and five. If if one of those wins down the stretch is against Kansas City, you got to find a way for Kansas City to lose three other games, probably. Maybe two. Like maybe you finish twelve and four, but that's asking a lot. In the National yeah. Football League to go on that kind of so let's be realistic and say that the Raiders can go on a really good run and get to eleven and five. Okay, I'm about, I'm about to read you off the schedule of the Kansas City Chiefs. Tell me where we get the other three losses from. Okay, mm. they're on a bye. That uh, that doesn't help. They're on a bye and then they play the Raiders. Let's let's say they lose that game. They've got to go to Tampa Bay. They're home against Denver. They got to go to Miami. They've got to go to the Saints. They've got to play the Falcons we were just talking about, and then they play the Chargers to end. I think they've only got like one game that I'd say is a gimme the right down the stretch. And that's the Denver game at home. Yeah. Even the Chargers, because the Chargers are not going to hang it up because they're still trying to develop de- develop Herbert. Even the Chargers are are, are going to give you a good fight in the last game of the season. With all that being said, do you see a path there for the Raiders to the division? They can if the Chiefs if the Chiefs are going to drop at least two games. Let's say off the top of my head, I would say. They might get upset by the Dolphins, the way the Dolphins are playing better now. I could see them perhaps being beaten by the Saints, especially after the way the Saints played yesterday. And then you would probably need one more loss outside the Oakland law. Uh, excuse me, outside the Raiders loss. I almost went through an hmm. entire segment without saying Oakland. Uh, <laughs> the other game, the other game that I see is if they were lo- to lose to Las Vegas the very next week. They have to play at Tampa Bay, and I look. Tampa Bay looked terrible last night, but I'm 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 putting that up to one game, right? Tampa Bay's played pretty good football, all in all. That's going to be a tough, tough game. Fun game, by the way. Brady versus uh, Mahomes. Yeah. That's that's the path I see. Could they drop one of these other games? Yeah. But where you're really looking at is if you're going to get the Chiefs to five losses and catch them in the division, it's bookended. It's at Vegas, at Tampa Bay. Then then they're going to beat the brakes off of Denver. And then they're at Miami and at New Orleans. What hurts you is that the last two games of the season are at home and they're home against Atlanta and the Chargers. And if they have the division within sight – it's going to be hard to see them losing to those teams in Kansas City. I give them a better chance of losing to Kansas uh, to losing to the Chargers than I do the Falcons, just because the end of the season right there, they might be having to rest players. I mean, who knows what the hell's going on? Um, Steelers Cowboys. Did you catch much of that game? Yeah, I did watch that. I, that was interesting because. Um, uh, Dallas actually, for a while there, actually, actually looked 
like a football team again for a little while. I don't know. Pittsburgh just was looking past them, or maybe they put up some good play calling. But you know, I think one of the underlying stories to that is just the fact that Dallas didn't look that bad, I, especially defensively for a while. There, that it kid like, Gilbert actually looks like they they might have something there. Yeah, I, I'll be interested to see if he is the quarterback going forward. Um. Outside of when they get when when Dalton is deemed healthy, you know, for people who don't remember Gilbert, he played he played at SMU. I I remember him, and uh, he was one of their first. He 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 was one of the first quarterbacks at SMU when SMU first opened up their offense. About I don't know is it's been around seven eight years ago that, that Gilbert first got there. And uh, he kind of he's kind of bounced around the leagues. I want to say he was uh, drafted by the Rams way back when the Rams were in uh, St. Louis, um, but he he really didn't look that bad. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You know, what? the Cowboys to me, one of their biggest issues in this losing streak has been trying to run the ball, but they did okay yesterday. They, you, you know, I, I, I think I saw that they had like 135, 140 yards rushing, something like that. It actually might have been higher yeah. by, by the end of the game. That was, per, but it was fairly late in the game when I saw that. So, you know, Pollard had 57 on the ground. Um, there are a lot of things you like about that. What you don't like about is that it was a monumental collapse in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Getting outscored f- 15 to nothing. You were at home. I get it. The Steelers are really good. But you had that game put away. It was nineteen to nine going into the, the uh, fourth quarter. You got to find a way to win those games. And this isn't an indictment on the players. This is more of the biggest questions going into this season about Dallas. Now I get it that they that, that this is a much better team with Dak Prescott. But the question was, was McCartney going to be the coach to take them over the top? I'm not seeing that from him. Now, they played a decent game yesterday, but they've had so many weeks where they've just looked inept. I'll put it this way. You don't see that kind of junk out of a Bill Belichick team, right? No. They might lose, and you might get mad because they lost, but Bill Belichick's team come prepared. Mike McCarthy, I don't know if he's going to be the answer there in Dallas. And they need to get that figured out sooner than later because if you're going to lock up Dak Prescott long-term and you're going to put all that money into your organization along with the Zeke contract, along with with, uh, Mark Cooper, you expect to get some dividends out of there. You don't want to just be a high-scoring circus show that comes to town and, oh, by the way, dribbles around and usually finishes around seven and nine and may or may not make the playoffs. And if they do, they usually get eliminated very quickly. The whole point of McCarthy was he, he was going to do better than what Garrett had done. And Garrett start looked like a pretty darn good coach at this point. Yeah. Dolphins, Arizona. Did you, did you catch that? I saw some of that. And that's why I say the Dolphins, at least offensively, are a lot better than I thought they would be coming into this part of the season. 
I got to give them credit to put up 34 like that. And they've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. So I got, I got to give kudos to Miami, whatever they're doing offensively, what they're calling on offense, it's working. Now the week before most of most of their points came off of the, the defense and special teams, but this week, this week they actually opened it up uh, to have finished with 248 yards two touchdowns 20 of 28 nothing spectacular but they were they were doing things that they weren't doing last week what i saw i was watching on red zone so it was obviously flipping around but what i saw of tua and the offense was they opened up the playbook a little more i felt like in that first game against the rams they played it very close to the vest especially once they got that big lead it turned into let's not lose this game right because the defense and defense and special teams i felt like before you could blink in in that rams game it was 21 nothing it was like wow what the hell happened here in the arizona game he actually had to bring him back from behind now i'm dumbfounded on what ha- well, i don't know what happened with that field goal kick because that field goal kicker there's is a pretty darn good kicker and for him to miss that kick short of about what was it? I think it was about 50 yards, give or take. Mm-hmm. It, it's not what you would consider an extremely long field goal kick. I'm about to pull it up here in a second because I don't remember the exact number. It was Gonzalez. No, wait a minute. Sorry. Gonzalez's uh, kick ended up being because uh, they were right there. Uh, 49. So it was actually under 50. I thought it was 50, 49. And he missed it by like five yards short. And this is a kid that that has hit high fifties regularly. So I guess he just, I guess he just misplayed the ball. I thought that thing was going to overtime for sure. Especially when you saw the trajectory of it and the kick, I was like, he hit that and they go short. You're 49 yards short in the NFL. You got at least had a crossbar or something, 49 yards. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's so frustrating being an NFL coach because you do all these things and it comes down to some idiot liquored up kicker, as uh, Peyton Manning once famously said. <laughs> the guy, it was funny to watch his reaction with the holder's reaction. And it's like they knew what happened. We obviously couldn't hear it. Whatever it was, they knew exactly what happened. He was like, Pfft. I just I I did this wrong, right? Is essentially you know what it was, but wow! I mean, forty nine yards, unbelievable! It, just brutal for an Arizona Cardinal team that uh, played a good game all in all. And I would I just would have liked to have seen that thing go to overtime because I was enjoying that game. I was really hoping that was going to go to overtime. It'd be the only game on we, we could watch the the Tua versus Kyler Murray show. What other games jumped out at you? Uh, i tell you one game, even though they lost the, the Panthers with the Chiefs game, I love the way the Panthers played offense. Defense was a gosh darn, but offensively, I liked the way they played. Granted, they got McCaffrey back, but I tell you, they may not have a defense, but with McCaffrey in, they do have a really, really nice offense. I like the way they play. I, I, I give Teddy Bridgewater – a lot of credit in that game. I mean, granted they lost, but I like I like what I see for the future for the for that offense. 
I'll tell you what what I liked is from we'll, we'll talk fantasy football here in the next segment, but uh, real quick, that game last night that ended up being a dud. The few games that I had up in the air, I was going up against majority Tampa Bay offense, and I was like, and at halftime, like it's a wrap, baby, it's a wrap. Yeah, all y'all leaned <laughs> in on Brady. It's over, man. It is absolutely over. Um, in in big news in the uh, the armchair host host league, the the league where it's only us hosts. Uh, Sean had been killing everyone. He's undefeated in that league. I just took him down. I know uh, he's only undefeated, and you know what? He's only undefeated because Philly doesn't like to kick extra points. I played him, and I lost by I think like a a quarter or a half point because Philly wouldn't kept going for two. Well, he's not uh, undefeated anymore. I just took oh. him down. I just took him oh. down. I, I beat him by, well, at least 20. I, I, I must still have a kicker or something. To, oh, no, I've got Harris of the uh, of the Patriots tonight. Um, Patriots tonight? He's uh, got nothing, essentially. Um, so I'm going to knock him out and um, – I guess in theory he could stream some player tonight, but he would. There's nothing out there, and he would wreck his roster if he went out there and tried to do that. So, you know, it would have to be a tailback, and I've got the only tailback that's worth having in that game. Um, there's a couple guys that I benched in that game, but we'll get into that in a second. I, I did that even though I benched Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I I took Lamar Jackson over Aaron Rodgers. I was like, uh. And I, it was last minute, too. I had Aaron Rodgers in the entire time. And the last minute, I said, nope, not going to do this. So I'm trying to knock off the undefeated guy. And I'm not going to let him get off the hook and not put Lamar Jackson in. And Lamar, Lamar Jackson had a dud yesterday. I mean, he did get a touchdown, 170 yards uh, through the air, but only 58 rushing. But, I mean, 18 points in our league is nothing. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, had 45. And I have him on the bench. I had A.J. Brown on the bench. I didn't think he was going to do a damn thing against Chicago. And he went off, but uh, at least my Will Fuller prediction came through. Uh, let's go ahead and take that quick break. When we come back, we're going to complain about fantasy, talk about our studs and duds for week number nine, and take a look at tonight's game as if you're looking for something to uh, put some money on tonight, I've got a bet that I really like in tonight's game. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio. The Almighty says this must be a fashionable fight. It's drawn the finest people. Weekends in the fall just got a hell of a lot better. Saturday mornings, it's Dixie Football Nation, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. We talk SEC, ACC, the Big Ten, and more. It's the only true Southern football kickoff show on Facebook Live. You don't want to miss it. And now on Sunday mornings at a new time, we're going 11 a.m. Eastern to noon Eastern with the NFL Fantasy Football Stardom Sinem Pick'em Show. We do DFS, season-long fantasy, and we keep a winning record against the spread. 8 to 9 Eastern Saturdays, 11 to noon on Sundays. The Armchair Quarterbacks have got you covered all football season long.
Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I go to mybookie.ag. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Look, I wouldn't be telling you to bet mybookie.ag if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with mybookie.ag. Promo code SKIN, that's S-K-I-N. When you use that promo code, mybookie will match 100% of your deposit up to $1,000. That's mybookie.ag, promo code SKIN. Hey there, pal. First draft? How can you tell? Look, there's a few things you're going to want to know. Kickers go fast. You're going to take one early. And don't worry about running backs. You can always trade for one later. Cool, thanks. And one more thing. It's good to have you here. You're my friend. Armchair. The Armchair Quarterback Show. Weekdays. Coast to coast. Southern Sports Talk Radio. Find us on Facebook Live today. And tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app. Your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. If you can make a hit in a ball game, you can make a hit with me. ACC football covered like no other here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Out of the shotgun, third down and about 10. Ward getting some pressure, getting more, gets it away. He's got fire, wide open. Georgia Tech 45, Nebraska 21. It's now up to the voters. They look like the number one, don't they? All right, six seconds to go. Mauer throws it up for grabs. There's five defenders back there, and yet knocks it down. The game runs out, and Clemson wins the national championship of college football. This is for the national championship for Nebraska. And for Miami, an absolutely miracle year. The dream season as they come back from a bad loss opening day to go to 11 straight wins and in all probability when the votes are in, a first-ever national championship for the Hurricane. Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes! Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. So if you listen to the show every Friday, you know that we talk about uh, stocks and uh, we call it our stupid stock watch because Matt Carr and I try to give as as bad advice as we can on uh, the stocks, stock market as we started playing around with it or started the pandemic. One of the ones that I told have been telling you all about, it's up 22% right now. MGM stocks have just skyrocketed because of the good news. Uh, El Tripa is is up 36%. Uh, Disney, I've been talking about that. How long have I been talking about that one? 13% it's up. Tesla is up as well. That's always a safe one. Uh, DraftKings is up at 2.5%. I kind of expect that one to go up a little more as we talk. I wonder... See, this is the one that I was uh, wondering about because with the news that came, I bet it's through the roof. Yeah, it, Pfizer is up uh, thirty. Is is up three percent? I'm actually a little surprised that it's not higher than that. So we got a lot of stuff that's going on here in the world of uh, of, uh, of the stock market. Uh, Doug, let's go ahead and start with some uh, fantasy football talk. Uh, let me hear. Oh, by the way, I got to tell you a story real quick. So we go to break. 
I go and I went off video for a second because I had to go get something to drink, go out in the garage, and I hear our show. And I'm like, what in the hell is that coming from? Because I know I don't, I don't listen to, like, I, I don't have a radio playing out there, right? I'm like, what what am I hearing? Like, how am I hearing our show out here? So I'm wandering around like, what am I listening to? Evidently, and I, and I know what it was, uh, one of our neighbors was over here one time, and this, it's the only thing that, that, that makes sense of this. He paired his phone, or actually their radio, excuse me, to my Bluetooth box that's out in the garage. And it's, it was, yeah. it's picking, I don't know if he's got it on or something, but it's picking up the CBS feed for in my garage off the Bluetooth. I thought I had my phone on me. I was like, what, what am I listening to? Cause it, cause it was echoing. I could hear it here in the studio, but it was out in the garage playing his day. I was like, what am I listening to in here? It was the strangest, most <laughs> surreal moment. I was like, what am I listening to? I go, oh, that's right. We're actually on the radio. <laughs> I always think of it just being on Facebook live and everything, you know, just, I don't think about, you know, a hard, hard, uh, external radio, so to speak. Cause I, cause I always tell everyone, dude, if you want to, you know, see things for if you if you want to listen to the show on a regular basis, you're riding down the road. Just download the app. It's so much easier than to try to pick up the the radio signal because radio signals are so iffy depending on weather and whatnot. So I almost forget about that hard external radio. But anyways, it was playing out in the garage. It was pretty funny. Let's go ahead and get into your studs and duds of the day, sir. Um, what uh, studs are you are you looking at so far? Uh, right off the bat, one of my, my main stud, Dalvin Cook, 22 rushes for 206 yards and two touchdowns. You can't get any better than that if, if in fantasy football. We were having an argument about this uh, on, the, on, on the last segment uh, before you jumped on, and I was telling Justin that I think Dalvin Cook's the best running back in the NFL right now. And he's – course he's a big titans fan so he's hellbound determined it's tra uh derrick henry and of course all i've put all the cards on the table i am a florida state fan so i remember delvin cook when he played in college but just watching what he's done the last several weeks i don't know how anyone could put him other than number one in the nfl right now i'm not saying he's going to be there the entire i'm talking about right now November 9th, 2020 at 942 a.m. Eastern time. Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the National Football League. He, and he's doing it on a bad team. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what makes it even better. I mean, granted, they played Detroit yesterday, but still, to put, to, to put up those numbers, and he would have put up more if he hadn't been uh, uh, tackled um, on the goal line and they put Herb Smith in for that final touchdown. It just yeah, whatever they they dive up, they're just gonna they're just gonna lean on him the entire season. So that, that, that's how it's gonna work with him. And and now statistically, he is the number one uh, running back in football right now. Yeah, he's he well, you know he he catches out of the backfield. He you know obviously can can run. And then the other thing that's lost on in, in the whole argument is he's actually a hell of a uh, pass blocker. Mm -hmm. And he's got another gear, and I get it that Derrick Henry can run you over, but Derrick Henry's also a big target. If you take out his legs, there you go. Dal Dalvin Cook is is more compact, and, man, he can book. 
He could absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't throw either one of them off my football team, but I'm just saying right now, Dalvin Cook is is the best in football. And I think actually talent-wise, I don't think they utilize him enough. I think uh, Alvin Kamara might be the second best running back in the National Football League. Because the one thing that always always takes away from me from Henry being number one is that his lack of uh, production in the past game. Yes, you can throw a screen pass, but that's got to be set up perfectly. To be able to throw it out in the flat to to Henry, he doesn't have the best hands. Maybe he can work on that and get better, but right now I've just I've I've got to go with him. Yeah. Uh what what else you got? Uh let me see. And I remember this in the off season. I'm talking about uh, uh DK Metcalf. Everybody was like lock it, lock it, lock it. And I had said in one of our pregame shows Watch for uh, Metcalf to kind of – this was his breakout year. And just consistently every week he's been a stud. I mean, anywhere between 25 to 35 points every week, for especially the last three weeks. He is on a tear. Yesterday he was uh, he was uh, 7 of 9 for 108 and a uh, touchdown. So I you mean, don't subscribe just- to Keyshawn Johnson's claim back on Wednesday that he is not – a uh, number one receiver in the NFL. No, because the results. I kid you not. That that was his actual comment. That was his actual comment on ESPN. I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday. Because I because I I I blacked out and had a stroke the the next day talking about that on the air. I was like, what are you? What are we talking about? DK Metcalf's not a number one player. If he's not, I, then who the hell is? Yeah, I, 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 you, you can't ask anything. The guy's a phenomenal athlete. I mean, I've never, you know, he's kind of different. He's a different type of. I've just never seen a wide receiver like him, and just how he just to me, he's amazing. And I can't believe anybody. I now you got me dumbfounded over the comment because I didn't hear uh, Keyshawn Johnson say that. I, that. To me, that must come out of some kind of jealousy because this guy is going to be a number one receiver. I don't care who he plays for for years to come. As long as he's got a good quarterback like Russell Wilson, he's as good to me. He's good, as good as any wide receiver in the league. I agree. I mean, it's just – and it's – the thing about this guy is he is – he's a physical freak is, is the biggest thing that jumps out with me with him. Okay. It's not just the fact that, oh, he's catching these passes and da 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 da. And you can't out scheme this guy because he's like six foot four. And I think I heard this right yesterday. He's gotten up to over 230 pounds. And he's just a chiseled. The only guy that's even close to his build is A.J. Brown in the NFL. But he's on a different level than A.J. Brown because he's a little taller and his speed is unreal. Yeah. And what's scariest about that, those two guys played together in college at Ole Miss together. They were teammates. Can you imagine having to scheme against that? How the hell did Ole Miss not win like four national championships in a row? And I forget the kid's (laughs) name. It escapes me right now. But there's a kid at Ole Miss right now that broke some record of A.J. Brown's this past weekend that A.J. Brown was uh, tweeting about. And I remember seeing the kid a few weeks ago because I mentioned it here on the show. I was like, you know, Ole Miss has another freaking freaking nature playing receiver. 
If yeah. I'm going in the NFL draft, I'm telling you right now, I don't give a damn what the combine tells me. I'm drafting a receiver from Ole Miss. I don't care. You can throw all the stats at me that you want. Ole Miss is just making – they're just growing them on trees. It's unbelievable. It may not have been last week. It might have been the weekend before because I think they might be on a bye this weekend. But uh, it was a tweet that I saw last week. I'll, I'll put it that way. And uh, Ole Miss is just uh, – what is his name? Here it is, Elijah Moore. That's his name. Elijah Moore. Watch out for him in the NFL draft. I'm going to say it one more time. Elijah Moore, Ole Miss. I I don't even know what year he is. I'm going to double check real quick. He is he, he is a junior. Shocking. He's from Florida. Uh Fort, or Fort Lauderdale. He's only 5'9, but the kid is explosive as hell. He had 238 yards receiving two two Saturdays ago. So just keep an eye on him. Someone's going to draft him. You're going to go, who? Never heard of him. Oh, Ole Miss. They've got the two biggest freaks in the NFL right now. All right, let's get back into the – I'll get off that rant. Um, my, You know, obviously Aaron Rodgers had had a really big game, 305, but I liked it when I when I, when I call out studs, I usually like to, to call out guys that are less owned. You know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, you know, look at – Dalvin Cook and et cetera, et cetera. Well, you kind of expect them to do that. I'm talking about guys that actually did something this week that uh, off the beaten path, so to speak. So I'm going to throw a couple of names at you. Don't fall for the fool's gold, y'all. But James, Richie James, of the San Francisco 49ers, nine catches, 184 yards, and a touchdown. There were a lot of injuries to that San Francisco offense. The other thing was, Richie James got most of that in garbage time. So he's a stud for this week, and people, I'm telling you, uh, Doug, people are going to be lining up to throw their fab budget at this kid, and he, and he won't be worth a pot to piss in later on. Richie James had a huge game, but I would just, I would sincerely, I would just warn everyone about that. Now, a kid that did have a good game, even though he threw a couple of picks, what about Luton for, uh, Jake Luton for the, for the Jaguars, 304 yards and a touchdown yesterday. That first touchdown pass to DJ Chark was phenomenal. Nick Foles, by the way, even though they lost, what's lost about that is that he did throw for three thirty-five and two touchdowns. So he so he had a nice game. And I don't know where this guy comes from, but Alamid Zacchaeus, 103 yards, four catches, and a touchdown for the Falcons. So just about the time you think you can't figure out the Falcons offense, here comes this guy to, to, to throw in the mix. He's uh, evidently out of Virginia. Um, it, it looks like this is his second year with the Falcons, but that's just one more guy to throw out there. The, the people are going to be running around trying to pick up, and uh, I would just – I would highly – Doug, Doug, you have a guy on one of your teams that you should be uh, jumping all over. Uh, Terry McLaurin, 
One, one for 115 and a touchdown yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you who I'm going to give my stud of the week to. The New York Giants football defense. Yes. I had to stream them in a couple of leagues because of necessity, bye weeks, etc. And the New York Giants flat out had a game. They, let me read this off. They had two fumble recoveries, three interceptions, and two sacks. That 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 is my stream of the week. If 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 you stream the the Giants defense, you're probably in pretty good shape. Give me some duds, some guys that you're kind of ticked off at at this point. Uh, at this point in the season, I I won't go any further than my own team with uh, Henry Ruggs. That's just a dud and a half. And he has, from a fantasy point of view, he's had one good game all season. The rest of it's been absolute garbage, just garbage. Yesterday, his whole fantasy output was one point two points. So, uh, I, I, I've got to throw this off to uh, Mr. Stephen Trish. We argue about this quite a bit on the show. J.K. Dobbins, dud. He's always trying to sell everyone on J.K. Dobbins, dud. 12 carries, 30 yards, didn't get in the end zone, and he fumbled that could have cost them the game. They were down 14-10, to 10, and they were about to go into the end zone. He fumbled on the one-yard line. He got in the doghouse because the next time they got down there, the next two times they've got down there, the Ravens handed it to Gus Edwards, who I keep saying is the reason why you don't want a running back in that Baltimore backfield is because he is going to vulture touchdowns, but he's not really worth having to start because you never know how many yards he's going to get. And but he he's reliable. You can put him through. You can put him up the middle, running the ball, and that's what they did the next time down. They, they gave it to him. And then the next time after that, to put the game away, what did they do? Naked bootleg Lamar Jackson. So, J.K. Dobbins, once again, is a dud. This guy that people, and Steve is not the only one that's doing it, but this guy, J.K. Dobbins, that everyone keeps trying to sell you on, one of his biggest bugaboos when he was at college was he could not hold on to the ball. And we saw that again. But you take away the game against Pittsburgh where he ended up with 113 yards, still did get in the end zone. This is what Dobbins has done all year long. You take away that game in the very first game of the season where he felt he had like two two goal line dives in a blowout win. So I, I've, I've, I've got to put that one off to the side too because it's like, that that was the beginning of the season. They already had the game in hand, and so they started handing it to him at the end. This is what he's ran for, though. If you take away that one, the, the one game from 100 yards across the board: 22 yards, 48 yards, six yards, 16 yards, 34 yards, 28 yards by week, the, the 113 that I mentioned, and 30 yards. His run per average isn't worth the crap. And so once again, I'm right. Steven's wrong, <laughs> but he will bang that drum. He's same thing. Oh, Sean had a pretty funny, uh, text sent to us when we do the show on Sunday, we, we, we keep tabs on our, on our, uh, we do a DFS team together. And so we keep tabs on if it did well or not. And Sean started, uh, 
taking Steven to task about the fact that uh, his his pick, the pick that he was going to say was going to go off, uh, David Johnson got knocked out because <laughs> of concussion protocol early in the game. And this is like the third week in a row that, that Steven's n- number one pick to click sucked. I mean, he just sucked. And, and Sean said something, said something to the fact that Texas said, you know, unless Steven's talking about fantasy uh, NASCAR, I think I'm going to quit taking his advice. And, of course, Steven got mad and started, it's only a few plays <laughs> into the game and all this and all that. And I was laughing because every time it would come up, a few of the players that, that, that we talked about taking, but instead we took uh, – David Johnson there in the flex, all these guys were scoring touchdowns. And so I, I would just add it to the text. So they're good. And this guy just scored. And this guy just scored. <laughs> terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> terrible week for him. Um, I'll go ahead. And, hey, you can't really judge him because it was a blowout game and it was his first game. But Antonio Brown was a dud. Three catches for 31 yards, five targets. So just keep that in mind. Five targets in a game where it's his first game. Antonio Brown's going to be a part of this offense, y'all. I'm just, I'm telling you, is plain as day. Derrick Henry was a dud. Let's call a spade a spade. 68 yards rushing. No touchdowns. Yeah. That, you know, that was terrible. Uh, I'll give you one more dud before we go to walk off here. Um, I'll tell you who, who I was surprised wasn't a dud was Amari Cooper. He actually had a decent game. Uh, you know, for what Amari Cooper's been doing over over the last uh, several weeks, he had, uh, what do you have, 68, no, I'm sorry, 67 yards receiving. And I believe he got in the end zone too. But Amari um, Cooper actually hit double digits in fantasy. I'm not... I, I was almost thinking about dropping him in some leagues. Just terrified of of what he's going to look like going down the stretch. But Claypool got a little more yards than I expected. But here's the dud of the day, in my opinion. We talked about how we thought, both of them. You know what? I'll put them both on. Both on blast. The Denver Broncos running back tandem of Phillip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon real quick without looking how many yards do you think they combined for in rushing the two of them against a bad Atlanta Falcons rush defense a hundred yards maybe 22 the two of them combined Ah. for 22 I'm sorry 41, 41, sorry, I, I, I had the wrong person's name. 41 total yards. And it's not like it was off of two carries. It was off of 14 freaking carries. That is just absurd. Absurd. I just, I don't know what to make of that damn backfield. And I got too many shares of a couple of those guys. And I'm like, well, I can't just drop them because you don't drop them for anything better, Right. And you, I'm in a position now where I, I don't even know if I should freaking start him in most games. It's unbelievable. What What is your walk-off for the day, sir? Actually, my walk-off is with baseball. Kind of a 
developing thing been going on, but it's starting to heat up is the uh, Cleveland desperately trying to get rid of Lindor and begging the Mets, trying to bait the Mets into a trade, sending Lindor to uh, to the Mets. I, I, I said it last week. I think that's where he's going to end up. It makes the most sense. The only other team I could see, maybe the Yankees, because Glaber Torres is kind of a defensive liability. You'd kind of rather have Glaber Torres play a uh, second base or make him a part of the trade. But with with the new purchase of Steve Cohen, guy's worth like twelve billion dollars or whatever the hell it is he's worth. He's gonna make. I think he's gonna make two splashes this this off season. And I think it's going to be Lindor. And then the other one that I have my money on is uh, I think Trevor Bauer becomes a, a New York Met. Yep. Bauer's going to wear pinstripes in New York somewhere. I just I got a strong feeling with that because he pitched so incredibly. Not many teams are going to back the truck up for him. I agree. It is time to turn back time as we start to get out of here on another great show. Uh, appreciate all y'all listening and watching. Uh, here we go. If I could turn back time, On this date, in 1953, the Supreme Court rules that Major League Baseball is exempt from antitrust laws that would later get amended a little bit and would uh, lead to free agency. But uh, very, very notable. Um also, the first New York Knicks game was supposed to be played on this date in uh, 1965. It was blacked out, uh, or it was postponed because of a blackout in New York City. And the big one on this date, 1965, Willie Mays was named NL MVP. One of the great regrets I have is I never got to see Willie Mays play baseball. I mean, I think I was technically alive, but I, I, I was a baby. I always heard, you know, that era of baseball. I, if I could go back, people always ask me, where would you go back? What what era would you go back to watch baseball? And they say, would you go back to Babe Ruth? No, I wouldn't want to go back to that era. I would want to go into the Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, leading into Willie Mays era, like, you know, Duke Snyder. Like the 50s and 60s in New York City, I would have liked to have been around basically my parents age where they were old enough to be able to absorb everything. Right. Um, but I'd, I'd want to live in those cities cause you couldn't watch it on ESPN or MLB network or on an app. So if I got to go back there, I've got, I've got to go to the city cause I'm going to be going to every single game. I'm going to take a cool $1,000 with me and I'll spend the entire summer there living like high on the hog cause Tickets were like a nickel or whatever the hell they were back then. <laughs> Birthdays. It's your birthday today. I'm just going to throw one out here. Adam Dunn, who is, man, it seems like he should be older than this. He's 41 years old today. Of course, he was a uh Big time slugger, played for the White Sox and a lot of other teams, but I remember him as a Cincinnati Red because I remember specifically going to a game in Atlanta on Memorial Day. It was the Memorial Day game. 
that Monday, and I believe it was around 2000-ish, might have been 2001, I'd have to look it up on the calendar, but this was the year that Chipper Jones played left field, and anyways, an incredible game, I was full of all kinds of of, uh, liquid courage, and I was going back and forth with a couple of diehard Cincinnati Red fans, and I was going to get the best of them. As we head to the, it was the, the top of the twelfth inning, eleventh inning. It was went to extra innings, and we were down to the last out, the last strike. And I'm put, I'm yelling. I got everyone chanting with me. Adam Dunn's at the plate. Put a fork in him. Adam is done. Put a fork in him. Adam is done. And these Reds fans are having to absorb this. And then, boom. That damn home run that he hit. I can't remember if it was a grand slam or a three-run jack. But anyways, I want to say it was a grand slam. Went about six rows over over my head specifically. I mean, it's literally on. I mean, I'm going, are you kidding me? Of course, they, ah! And we actually had a freaking rally in the bottom of the ninth when we came up short. And I'll not, I'll never forget that day. I, I went to that game with uh, our good friend of the show, uh, Billy. Uh, it was a hell of a game. Uh, great memories from that, but I'll always hate Adam Dunn because of that. And so that is not only my birthday, that is my walk-off. Screw you, Adam Dunn. <laughs> but because of your home run, I will always I will always remember your career. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Doug, great job. We'll see you next Monday. Tomorrow, I've got uh, Steven and uh, Justin with me. We're going to be reacting to fantasy football. We're going to be talking some NFL we're going to see, you know, maybe something exciting happens tonight. Who knows? Uh, I'm going to watch it. Uh, we, you know, I talked about this a second ago. And if you're looking for, a lot of people are probably sitting here going, all right, well, what in the hell do I do with the final, you know, the final game of, of the week? We're talking about Monday Night Football, Patriots, Jets. Where do I go with this? Look, the over-under is 42. The Patriots are minus 10. I do like the Patriots minus 10, but what gets me, what jumps out at me is a couple things. A, the New York Jets over under to hit. They their team their specific team total is 17. I don't think the Jets get to 17 tonight. I really don't. And then the other thing is it says, will there be a score in the first seven minutes of the ball game? I think the Patriots will score. I think the Patriots will score on their first possession. I think they'll do it actually pretty quickly. I think the Patriots are going to be ready for this game. If anyone can scheme a blowout, it is Mr. Belichick. And we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Well, unless we're fired, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys and gals, it's time to go. We'll see you on the next show. Same back time, same back channel. Thanks for listening to Armchair Quarterback Radio, your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. Armchair Quarterback Radio comes your way every day 
Find Armchair Quarterbacks Radio on Facebook today. And don't forget to tap that app. The Armchair Quarterbacks app is free to download, and you can take us anywhere you go. You can hear the whole show every day on Armchair Quarterbacks app. you haven't downloaded it yet, the Armchair Quarterbacks app is the best app you can tap today. Google Android, Apple iPhone. That's right, download it, tap that app today. You can take the Armchair Quarterbacks app anywhere. Free to download, free to use, and important to have. Download it today. Tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app. The best in Southeast sports talk. Listen live or catch the replay. I kind of like- 